0: welcome to the medical liability minute i'm your host jeff siegel i'm founder and ceo of medical justice and today we are joined by mike sakopoulos our general counsel thanks for joining us today mike
1: hi there thanks for having me
0: so today we continue our series of ripped from the headlines where we analyze medical legal news stories news stories that we've seen that you likely have not but maybe you have And our primary goal is to make sure you don't become a protagonist in um, a future version of our RIP from the Headlines series. All right. So with that, Mike, take it away. Today is going to be stuff about COVID and we have more than one case.
1: We can't get away from um, from the pandemic and uh, COVID-19 coronavirus. Uh, There are any number of different ways that we can go on this so we have a few different things to talk about why don't we start at, down in the Lone Star State uh, a Texas man was indicted for sending violent threats to a prominent Maryland doctor who had been a vocal advocate of COVID-19 uh, vaccination a federal grand jury in Baltimore has indicted the Texas man for sending a threatening communication uh, to the the physician When the indictment was unsealed, it showed that Scott Harris, age 51, of Audbury, Texas, was scheduled to appear in Texas court. And what Mr. Harris had allegedly done was send a threat to this physician saying uh, things along the lines of, quote, never going to take your wonder drug. My 12-gauge promises I won't. And I can't wait for the shooting to start. Um, so we can all admit that Mr. Harris has a number of problems beyond being unvaccinated. Yeah, um, anger management, I would say, yeah, would be the right, first. Right. He's um, definitely uh, an interesting individual here. So uh, the case has been investigated by the F- FBI. Uh, we've had other people involved from from Homeland uh, Security, and in on it goes. So we will see what happens. This is is new enough that I can't uh, tell you how the how, how this this ends, but it certainly has uh, people from the. Department of uh, Civil Rights and in, in the U.S. Attorney's uh, Office, um, busy looking into these, and in these are unfortunately not unique situations. There have been a number of threats against uh, physicians, so maybe we should take a little bit of time to to talk about, talk about this.
0: Yeah, so let's add to this. Um, not only did he say, I can't wait for the shooting to start, and he's got a 12-gauge, you know you can connect the dots, but he also referenced the doctor's race and national origin. It just wasn't enough to say, um, I'm going, I could potentially inflict some violence on you, but I'm going to do it because of your race and national origin. And um, yeah, I think sometimes there are occupational hazards of being a physician. The mortality rate for being a doctor is non-zero. And it's interesting because um, um, we have a relationship with two former FBI agents. I think collectively they have 60 years of experience as a husband and wife team, and they have as part of their team yet another former FBI agent who also retired from the force with years of experience. Their expertise was in terms of conflict resolution, de-escalation of conflict, hostage negotiation. And when we, when we, initiated a relationship. I thought that maybe we would refer one, two cases a year to them. I'm looking back at my records. I think we're on track to referring about one case a week, maybe one case every other week. So it's not insignificant. What do I mean by that? It means that the practice is sufficiently concerned about one of their patients losing it and coming to the practice and causing some type of uh, either destruction of property or injury to staff the doctor or patients in there and they don't know what to do so i have stopped trying to uh, be the fbi agent or the officer that analyzes the security situation and i make the introduction i make a virtual introduction to this group who provide extraordinary service every one of the doctors that we have referred to them they have all come back with glowing praise they think these people walk on water i think the thing that helps is that they just have decades of experience in terms of managing very volatile situations so the two things that they can do would be number one is to get a better understanding of this individual patient. They can tell whether this person has been in, um, has um, had a history of violence in the past. Have they been incarcerated? Do they have? Um, I, I assume they have the ability to detect whether they have license to carry firearms and so on and so forth. So that's very patient specific. Number two would be kind of a general. Analysis of the security situation. How is the practice set up? Do they have cameras? How do they lock the doors and so on and so forth? How do they build the perimeter? And again, they're doing this virtually. So it's not like they're coming on site to identify what the weak points are, but through a very candid conversation, these two items can be addressed, a threat assessment of the individual sending, uh, sending the threat and number two, a security uh, analysis of the makeup of the office, you know, just where is it, and how accessible is the office to a potential assailant? So the way I kind of view this now is I've got a low threshold for referring any concerned doctor to um, to these professionals and get their get their opinion. And I would tell everyone out there. If you have something that is keeping you up at night, you have a patient that you believe is just not quite right, or their family or friends, and they have articulated some type of uh, threat or concern, just get in touch with us. We will make the introduction, and it's just a pass-through. You'll be pleasantly surprised at how much you learn in such a short period of time. That doesn't necessarily hit the description of... um, of this particular case because he was a non-patient. It's just a doctor who um, was doing his public health announcement saying why he thought COVID vaccine was helpful, and apparently it set off an individual in a different time zone. Here you've got somebody in Texas sending um, threats to a Maryland doctor, and there are plenty of doctors who um, are – Strong proponents of the COVID vaccine, so I would imagine this guy in Texas would have had a full-time job um, making threats. But um, I think the point that Mike was making was that the FBI d- does take this very seriously, and if if the if the person who made the threat. Um, is convicted, the maximum sentence is five years in prison. I'm assuming that's a federal prison with a fine up to a quarter of a million dollars. So th- these are these are pretty hefty penalties for um, for running your mouth. But What do you think? I
1: I, I agree. Um, under under federal law, you're to do 80% of the time that you are uh, given by the court. So some state so you you can do you know half the time and it's uh, considered a good time and you're you're out. So these these are serious uh, penalties, and I think that because the law takes it seriously, we should all take it seriously. In that these are real threats, and while this person may be just a loud mouth uh, uh, spewing off, the next one might not be. And sadly, we can think of cases where uh, physicians have been uh, victims of, of violence, uh, both at their their, their place of employment where they're practicing and, um, and and on their own time. So these are things that uh, really should be uh, taken seriously. Do not uh, discount that uh, someone's a crackpot and will never bother you uh, because unfortunately there are some uh, really uh, dangerous individuals out there. But the, the message we want to um, reinforce is that
0: there are individuals in security and law enforcement that have decades of experience in terms of analyzing situations like this they will never analyze it perfectly but they will they'll do a better job than you analyzing it internally and they will collaboratively work with you to determine how serious is this is this threat and what do you need to do to protect yourself i mean i know that i've spoken with some physicians and their knee-jerk reflexes is to say well i just bought a gun if they come here i'll start shooting and They may not even have the background and training to manage a firearm. Number two, remember, you're in a doctor's office. You likely have patients in the waiting room. And the walls in your rented office uh, almost certainly are not made of granite. They're almost certainly made of sheetrock. And if you've got a uh, 45 caliber bullet going, well, let's say you miss, or let's say you do hit your, the uh, the perpetrator, and the bullet keeps going into the waiting room. You may have a dead patient that may go into your neighbor's office, and that would be quite a surprise to them. I'm not making a um, a global comment about the the um, the wisdom of having a firearm in the office. What I am saying is that I would rely upon the wisdom and judgment of people in the security space who have decades of experience to help you analyze a situation. It's it's no different than medicine. If you can make a good diagnosis, your treatment's likely to be more effective. But if you just go straight to the treatment, you may have excellent treatment, but you're not treating the proper condition.
1: Scary, right. on, scary, scary time. Let's, uh, let's move on to, um, uh, to, our, to our next uh, situation. And this one, instead of involving a physician directly, involves uh, the general, uh, general public. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher Perez, 40 years old, was found guilty on two counts of disseminating false information uh, and hoaxes related to biological weapons. This comes to us from CBS News. Uh, Perez uh, posted a message on Facebook April of 2020 that claimed that he had Wait for it. He had paid someone to infect <clears throat> someone who was infected with COVID 19 to go through a grocery store and lick items. <laughs> uh, why? Why, why? What okay. was
0: his goal? What was his goal in terms of having the COVID 19 patient go to a grocery store in San Antonio and lick items?
1: And what is the going rate for that service? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it clearly was to to scare people away from visiting the store. Maybe Mr. Perez had had a bad experience um, in the produce section. I don't know. Uh, he posted um, <clears throat> the, in, in another post, he included a link to a, a news story mm-hmm. uh, about the store that closed after an employee tested positive for uh, the virus and said that, a San Antonio H-E-B uh, store would be next, you know, insinuating yeah. that um, the the looking would would continue.
0: And H-E-B, um, just for everybody who's not from Texas, is a local grocery store. It's like Safeway. Yeah. So he's trying to shut the store down. It sounds like.
1: That that's uh, that's right. And so um, thankfully, law enforcement uh, came in and determined one that these, these threats were, were fake and that uh, Perez did not pay anyone to intentionally spread COVID-19 uh, and that these, these posts were, were all fake. N- nonetheless, uh, this is problematic as you could imagine. So uh, those who would threaten the use of COVID-19 as a weapon against uh, others will be held accountable for their actions even if the threat was a hoax Uh, And this this quote is from Christopher Combs, who is a special agent in charge of the FBI's San Antonio uh, division. Um, Perez's actions were knowingly designed to spread fear and panic. And today's sentence, uh, sentencing illustrates the severity of the uh, of the crime. And what was that sentence, Mike? 15 months um, is what Mr. Perez was sentenced to. And he was also ordered to pay a $1,000 fine.
0: Hmm. Did he accept, um, did he accept his punishment and, uh, start his sentence or? Well, didn't? it looks like he said they would appeal the conviction, correct?
1: That that's right. And I, I don't know how the, um, how the ap- appeal is, is going, but, uh, this was investigated, and I think that this is interesting. It was investigated by the FBI's Joint Task Force along with the Weapons of Mass Destruction personnel. Now, I have to admit, I did not know that we had mass, uh, weapons of mass destruction personnel um, on, on the federal uh, payroll, but in some odd way, that might be reassuring. Um, so <clears throat> we will we will see what uh, what becomes of this their, uh, th- this case, but this is not again terribly unusual in that we have people posting things that are are outrageous and causing a panic to uh, to our fellow uh, fellow citizens and requiring law enforcement to uh, to take uh, take action so i think maybe we we need to think about physicians duties if you believe that there are any uh to combat such kind of uh, falsehoods maybe not In such a situation so egregious as this but people posting information that is is clearly um, medically incorrect and designed to to misinform and mislead um, our our fellow citizens Jeff do you think that there's any kind of duty out there for a physician to uh, to step up and um, wipe away some some incorrect information
0: well it's interesting because that kind of segues nicely into the third case in our COVID stuff uh, series today, and it's entitled Idaho Medical Association Files Complaint Against a Controversial Doctor. So it may be very region-specific, and I also know that the Federation of State Medical Boards have stated that um, articulating COVID misinformation without defining precisely what misinformation is may be actionable at the level of the state board. And of course the state board controls your license. And if your license, if, if you are disciplined, one of the outcomes could be suspension or even revocation of a license. So the license is needed to earn a living. If you're a doctor, there's no real easy plan B if you lose your license. So it looks like there's a fair amount of um, momentum being pushed to discipline those who are um, engaged in misinformation. But let's let's take this particular case because it's from the news and we can just um, see how it's been addressed. So um, the Idaho Medical Association filed a complaint against an Idaho physician, the argument being that he repeated misinformation about COVID-19 and vaccines. Um, they filed the complaint against Dr. Ryan Cole, spelled C-O-L-E, over his claim that he prescribed ivermectin For COVID-19 patients, and in this article, it's saying ivermectin has not been proven to effectively treat COVID-19, and doctors say it could be harmful. The Idaho Medical Association CEO, Susie Keller, said that while its association is disturbed by cold spreading of misinformation, including dissuading people from getting the COVID-19 vaccine, the complaint is narrowly focused on the claim that he prescribed an unproven drug. And we'll get into this in just a few minutes because doctors um, generally are able to prescribe unproven drugs. There are drugs that have been um, allowed into intercom, uh, interstate commerce with uh, by the FDA, and then doctors are free to use it for other conditions that are not approved by the Food and Drug Administration as long as they believe that there's enough evidence that the drug Um, or the treatment will have a positive impact. And I think it often comes down to what is the evidence and how many people are doing it. If you're the only person doing, doing, uh, doing the prescribing and nobody else is doing it, then arguably you're just doing research. And research is not the standard of care. If on the other hand, there's a substantive minority of people who are doing what you're doing, I think an argument can be made that it does comport with a standard of care, particularly when there may be more than one way to skin a cat. So let's get back to this case at hand. So um, Dr. Cole was narrowly and controversially appointed. And again, I'm just reading this news release here. I'm not these aren't my words. Controversially appointed to Idaho Central District Health Board. In September, overseeing public health issues for a four county area that include Boise, arguably the largest city in Idaho, and the area has about 600,000 residents. Colin urged people not to take the COVID 19 vaccine, calling them fake and needle rape. That's a new one. I've not heard that term before needle rape.
1: That is a new term.
0: Yeah. So, um, the medical community overwhelmingly recommends vaccinations as the best way to protect against COVID-19, and vaccines have been shown to be safe and effective. The complaint was initially leaked to the Idaho Freedom Foundation, a conservative activist group that has been supportive of Cole. Um, the article concludes saying the Idaho Board of Medicine licenses all doctors in Idaho. It's unclear what repercussions Cole might face and the board did not immediately return a request for comment. And it is interesting. I think the outcome will often depend upon where you live and what is public sentiment in a particular area and the likelihood of of a board coming after you will depend upon the local politics as well as, you know, their sense of priorities. So well, this will be it, interesting to see how this plays out.
1: It will be and and you wonder if dr cole um, finds himself in this situation uh, because he was so vocal and had a a public position if some of this had happened without um if he was this is all focused on the prescribing of ivermectin if he had been prescribing but but not making such statements and not holding a public position uh, would he find himself before the board of medicine uh, we're doing the, the, the same acts. And I don't know the answer to that. Uh, but here it's I'm, not I'm even sure the Board of Medicine. It's just the
0: Idaho Medical Association, arguably uh, right. a um, society doesn't even need to belong to. I think what probably fueled this was the perfect storm, namely um, probably the background prevalence of COVID in the state at the time that this became an issue, the fact that he was vocal and visible Related to his feelings about um, the vaccine, but he's also a public health official. So he's a public health official, and generally, public health officials are viewed as people that would implement the the policies that are in common, you know, commonly um, espoused by by the different entities. So I, I think. It's not just one thing. I think it's many things because certainly he's not the only person that's been saying he should, you know, that one should avoid COVID-19 vaccines and that uh, ivermectin would be the drug of choice. He's definitely not the only American to have done that, but at least as best I can tell, very few are on the receiving end of complaints related to a professional specialty society or the the Board of Medicine. I can't say that that'll be the case going forward because sometimes all it takes is for the first case to go through, kind of like the most perceptually egregious case to go through, then they, then a, a win gets, um, gets notched and then you see others starting to go through. But I, I do think that if the Board of Medicine starts going after physicians for either their prescribing or for their words, One may very well see interesting arguments related to freedom of speech, First Amendment, um, and what is a doctor's obligation. This could be very interesting uh, legal battles, um, putting aside the medical issues at play.
1: There's it's certainly brewing not only in Idaho but in other states. And recently, the Federation of State Medical Boards held a webinar uh, on dissemination of false information uh related to the pandemic um, which to me somewhat signaled a potential of enforcement coming if they've taken up that issue and are are trying to educate their uh, their board members on it so we'll see how all this plays out i think it's still a little early uh, to know um, but dr cole's not going to be alone and i'm sure we're going to see this uh, come up elsewhere
0: Mike, just take a minute to describe who the Federation of State Medical Boards is and what influence it has over the individual boards. Does the Federation of State Medical Boards have direct jurisdiction over a doctor or is it more of a think tank, umbrella, clearinghouse, if you will, that influences but doesn't necessarily have direct jurisdiction?
1: I, th- I think it's more of the, the latter. As is, is I understand it, there are approximately 70 members, so uh, medical boards from across the United States, and some states have different boards for osteopaths than Positions for than MDS, um, and so that's how you can get more than more than 50. But uh, almost all of these these boards are, are members of the federation, and the federation then puts together committees to study issues and come up with model policies that they believe would be uh, of interest to their to their members. And so they are really on the. The forefront of looking at things on a national basis of issues and then coming up with policies that state boards can decide to implement completely not at all or use some portions of the model uh, policies in their own states but it's very influential and it's it's well thought through typically when they come up with uh, with policies for state boards to either adopt or or use as they they uh, please no physician's license is directly controlled by the federation of state medical boards
0: but almost certainly if the policy was put forth by the federation of state medical boards that means that to me it means at least one state was very vocal in terms of propelling the policy forward so you could certainly argue that um once once the fsmb um comes up with a policy describing what it is at least one state medical board is is highly likely to start implementing that policy and typically more if it became policy it means that multiple entities voted on it and said we we agree with this so i i i would i would interpret that as a sign that uh, winter is coming
1: i agree 100 percent on that all right so let's wrap
0: up um COVID has created interesting medical legal uh, conundrums, not just for doctors, but for those out in the public. And I expect that the legal landscape will continue to explode with issues caused by COVID, either directly or indirectly. And with that, we say goodbye and we'll catch you on another edition of or another episode of the Medical Liability Minute. Thank you. And with that, we're at the end of our broadcast. Thanks for joining us. In closing, a few messages. If you're an existing member of medical or dental justice and you find yourself on the receiving end of a medical legal threat, please contact us at 1-877-MED-JUST. That's 1-877-MED-JUST or 633-5878. Our stat hotline is a service offered to all current members. It's designed to get your urgent medical legal questions answered ASAP. Members can also access a plethora of exclusive medical legal resources by logging into their members-only page, which can be accessed by our website, medicaljustice.com. Now, we want to protect as many doctors as possible. If one of your colleagues is in trouble, please refer him. When a current member of medical justice refers a colleague and that colleague becomes a member, you both receive a month of free protection. To refer a colleague, write to us at infonews, that's I N Frank O news, at medicaljustice.com. That's infonews at medicaljustice.com. Now, before we close, one last request. If you enjoyed this episode, please write a review on your preferred podcast provider and share our podcast with your colleagues. Reviews help maintain our podcast visibility which in turn helps us reach a broader audience. This helps us protect more doctors. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you'll join us on the next episode of the Medical Liability Minute.